Are you ready for the word? I will say this. I will say I get, uh, I don't want to say more out of your word because people might get mad. So I'll just say this. I get so much out of Michael's word. I really do. Come on up, Michael. I really do. And maybe it's because you preach so long. We're going to have to keep him from that. So when it's time, guys, just go, <laughs> no, I'm teasing, Mike. That's just... the secret to it. <laughs> Is that the secret yeah. to it? All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Phyllis. How is everybody? Blessed and highly favored, right? Amen. Each of us, not one more than the other, right? Because it's not by what we deserve. It's because of what Jesus did. Amen. All right. Well, Pastor called me here earlier in the week and asked if I would fill in and kind of continue along the vein of what he's been talking about, which is extremely of utmost importance. Do you guys realize what he's been talking about is sowing? And I tell you, as I was sitting back there, I was just thinking, you know, there's some messages, obviously every message applies to every one of us as Christians, right? And you know, as in sales, you know, I, I own a garage business and we cover all Western Ohio. And, and when I'm talking to people, I'm talking to people because they have need of a garage, right? There's no sense me going to talk to somebody that needs a bathroom remodel because we don't do that, right? So the thing today I want to share with you and emphasize to everybody here is what we're going to talk about is pertinent to every single human being here. Very much so. Because it literally affects and determines the outcome of your life. Your life. Not just mine. We're talking about your life. What we're going to talk about affects in entirety your life. So does that interest you? It ought to. You ought to take notes and pay attention because I'm telling you, God emphasizes it so much that he began the whole Bible, Genesis 1, talking about it, right? If you go back there, he's talking about earth, that each seed yielding after its kind, right? And, and, and he emphasized the power of sowing and the power in a seed. And he also emphasized, if you, if you take note, the emphasis of the importance of words, right? Because how many times is it listed in the first chapter of Genesis, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. There you, you hear about double emphasis. That's way more than double emphasis. That's like 14, 15, 20 times emphasis. It's repetitive. And I believe, I don't just believe, I know it was written for a purpose. To emphasize the importance of seed, seed time and harvest, and the importance of words themselves, right? And I'm telling you, I'm convinced that all of us, to one degree or another, are guilty of forgetting how important they are. I'm serious. They are of utmost importance. And, and we all know that mentally, but do we all practice that? Do we all work on that? Do we all aim to do much better in that. And it's not a mechanical thing. Sometimes I think Christians think a confession of faith, oh, if I say it long enough, God will get tired of hearing it and he'll just do it. Or I just do it because it's the right thing to do. 
and, and that's true, but I'm telling you, there's power in it. So, I'm going to just start by saying this. Genesis, like I said, the first chapter talks about every seed produces after its kind, right? Every seed produces after its kind. There's no exceptions to it, okay? And also, I think it's in chapter 8, it says, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest. It's a principle that ain't never going to go away, okay? It's God's principle. Now, in the New Testament, Galatians 6, it says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever. That's important. Whatever a man sows, he will absolutely unequivocally reap. Every single time, no exceptions. Right? Now, so we know that. Now, do we really realize how many different seed forms there are? Now, the Bible primarily, if you really, I think, categorized it, categorizes it in primarily maybe a half a dozen categories, okay? If you really look at it, I looked yesterday at my, at my concordance, and I just looked all the times where it talks about seed and sowing. And primarily, it's referring to the seed, the, re the reproductive seed of a man, okay? It refers to that. Seed refers to our offspring, our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and on and on and on. From one seed, just like Abraham, his, his seed produced so many offspring, more than the stars than you could count, more than the sand on the sea, okay? Now, I praise God, I don't have that many. I don't know about you. I got some good kids, okay? But I, I, don't, I don't think I want that big of a family gathering with millions and millions. I don't know. But anyhow, let's, let's, let's look at uh, a couple other ones. How about money? Everybody knows money is the same as a seed, right? Pastor Phyllis just took up the offering. And I think what we got to do, I think where we miss it a lot of times is we fail to look at that dollar or dollars as seeds. We really do. But I'm telling you, that's as good as a seed. It's got the same ability to reproduce and multiply as any seed does. Now, I think the important thing, and I think where sometimes Christians have lost faith in that seed, as far as giving in that, did you know a farmer, is, my, my grandfather was a farmer on my mom's side all of his life. And you know what? There's certain just ABC things to being a farmer that you have to apply. How many of you know you don't just sow anywhere, right? I mean, if you had a bag of good seed, top quality seed, and you go out here and you sow it in the parking lot, good luck, right? The other thing is you sow at the right time. Come February, I wouldn't recommend going and buying thousands and thousands of dollars of seed and going out in the field and sow it. Because you're wasting your money. It's not the right time. The other thing is, is we just, let me just say this. Sometimes I believe personally that we unwisely sow financial seed. 
And you know what? What I'm saying is this. You tithe always. Every week you tithe. Okay? Don't miss. That's automatic. But as far as giving, I don't believe that you should constantly, 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 constantly give, 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 give. Because if you're not following the guidelines of what I just said, if you're not sowing in the right time, the right season, in the right ground, you're not going to get a harvest. You just wasted good seed. Do you, you agree? Now, I mean, obviously there's certain things. If you see somebody starving to death, you're obligated to sow into their life, right? If you see someone naked that needs clothes, it's a no-brainer. But I'm telling you, the Lord will lead you when and where to give. And if you'll be sensitive to him, just like the disciples were sensitive when Jesus said, hey, he told them, get your nets back out. We're going back out. And you know, it was a rough lot of effort to do that. But they did it. They went out to the deep, which wasn't even the place you would normally go. Jesus took them to the spot and he told them even which side of the net or boat to cast the net out of. And you know the rest of the story, right? I firmly believe that if we can be attentive to his spirit in our giving, that you'll get the same results. You'll get a hundredfold and you won't get disappointed and dejected. Amen. Okay. Now let me do this. I want to take you. So those are things, those are seeds, what we've talked about. Here's what I want to go to. Did you know there's three primary seeds that we as human beings are constantly sowing? Constantly. Every hour of every day. Okay? And that's what I want to emphasize is. There's, there's a lot of threes in the Bible. Did you know that? The Bible, the Trinity. And, and just three is a very powerful number. Well, I want you to think of that today. I want you to concentrate on three seeds that you every day of your life are sowing perpetually, continually, okay? And again, get the picture that these things are indeed seeds, okay? Picture a seed in your mind, you know, a kernel of corn or a soybean or whatever. Imagine a seed in these three regards. Our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Okay? You agree? That's a part of our continued existence. Every day we're constantly thinking thoughts. Some of us are constantly talking. <laughs> okay? And, and some of us are constantly doing. Well, the thing I want you to understand, in each one of those three categories... There's three gears, okay? Now stay with me, because this I'm telling you, I believe is, is so important. Three gears in each one of those areas. In the area of thought, okay, you can be, the Bible says in Romans, for to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we can be either carnally minded in reverse, because that's where it's going to take you, we can be spiritually minded, which is going to take you forward in God. Or we could be in, in, in idle, in neutral. Right? And we could just, like, when, when's your mind in neutral? When you sleep? 
How many of you know it's important to sleep? But the important thing of each one of these things is they're all good in balance. How many of you know it's not good to sleep 16 hours a day? But eight hours a day is a pretty good idea, right? For your body and your mind. And it allows your mind to be put into neutral so that it can rest and recover, right? The same thing is with, uh, let's do with football. I'm sorry, football. With mouth. It, it is football season, ladies. Aren't you glad? Huh? <laughs> See, you may not know, but my wife knows why I love football so well. I love football. You know why? Because when I sit down to watch a game of football, I don't have to think. I don't have to talk and I don't have to do nothing. I can put every one of my three things in neutral and it's a good thing, especially come this time of year after spring and summer and going 150 miles an hour, it's a good thing, okay? But words, obviously we can put in neutral. Some of us don't, but we all need to, okay? And I'm being honest here. Listen to what the Bible says about this. How many of you know, well, obviously, you can speak spiritual or you can speak carnal, right? We, we just talked about that. But I want to ask you, if you go and don't, how many of you know there's just chewing the fat is okay, right? Just to talk, just to be talking, just to be, you know, sociable. That's a good thing. But did you know what? According to the Bible... It's a danger to talk too much. And see, some of us, that's harder than others, right? And, and the, th the important thing about it is you realize this. The Bible in Proverbs, I think I got written down here. Let me see if I can find it. It says, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. Did you know that's in the Bible? The more you talk, the more apt you are to sin. Not saying a cuss word, you can sin different ways through your words, okay? And, and how many of you know, I've heard pastor different occasions mention going on a word fast to where he just shuts himself up and doesn't say a word for 24, 48, 72 hours or whatever. Now, the, a physical fast does what to our bodies? You know what it does, right? It brings them under subjection right? And how many of you know that it would be wise to bring our tongues under subjection? Because I'm telling you, words, again, the more, let me, let me just get my place here because I want to, I want to make sure I don't miss anything here on, along this line. Now, Matthew 12, 36 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So guess what? You want to tell what's in a person's heart? Listen to what they're saying. Do you want to know if you're really operating in the faith of God, in the faith of God's word? Listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Because every single time what's in here is coming out here. And see, that's your faith thermometer right here. And it's, it's not enough to just mechanically say the words. You can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me all the rest of your life and it never worked for you. 
Because see, it's not just coming out of your mouth. What's the combination that makes it work? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved, right? And see, if it applies in that way, in that verse, don't you think it applies to every verse and every promise? See, and then again, that's where a lot of people have gotten frustrated and disappointed is they've said their confession of faith thousands of times and it never materialized and developed because you forgot the other part of the equation. You have to down here believe it. You absolutely have to be fully persuaded that this is the word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. You must believe this. You can count. Let me tell you something. You can put your life on the line. Because I tell you what, you're actually putting your eternity on the line with what it says in here. Right? This is all you got to ensure that you're going to go to heaven. You ain't, you've heard pastors say it many times. You ain't never seen it. You ain't never heard it. But you are fully persuaded you're going there. Now, it's the same way with anything else. When you find a promise, you just say, that's mine. That is a promise, like Pastor Phyllis saying, 3,000 of them. That is a promise to me as much as anybody else in the world. Because I'm a child of God, and he's no respecter of persons. So then when you begin to say, to speak, then guess what? That's what brings it to pass. Actions, okay? That's the third one. Thoughts, words, we can choose, good or bad, forward, reverse, idle. Idle's not bad, as long as you keep it in balance. Now what about works or actions? Did you know you can sow to the flesh and what you're going to reap? Corruption, according to Galatians. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting and reap life eternal, reap life abundant. You see, life and death are what? The power of the tongue. And so is actions. Did you know there's actions that you can do? And again, rest. Put yourself, put your body and mind in neutral. Do you know that's not a bad thing? Do you know what? That's what the Sabbath is for. It wasn't made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. To put ourselves in neutral so that our minds and our bodies and our spirits can heal and get resuscitated and recharged. So that's not a bad thing. Okay? But when we do actions, you can do them in one of two ways. Did you know that you can do the right thing with the wrong motive and get no results? Jesus clearly said it. You can pray, but if you're praying to be seen of men, you got your reward. Don't expect, don't be looking for nothing else because you got it. If you're given to be seen of men, you got it. Put the wagon up, forget it. There ain't going to be no more harvest, right? And so we can do several things, but I'm telling you guys, you're wasting your time doing good things if you're not doing it with good intentions and the right motives, okay? That's again what makes it work. You with me still? All right, well let's, let's turn to Mark the fourth chapter because this, this is a powerful, powerful portion of scripture. Mark chapter four in verse 11, Jesus himself says this. He said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery 
of the kingdom of heaven. Did you guys ever catch that? He's not just giving us a mystery. He's giving us the mystery. The granddaddy. The, 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 the big, what is it? What do you call it? The big chalupa, whatever. Okay? This is, everything hinges and centers around this. Because he goes on down in verse 6. If you don't understand this, how are you going to understand anything how the kingdom of God works? And what he's talking about is, I believe, is harvesting from the kingdom of God, okay? Receiving in our lives what the kingdom of God has promised and provides. This is the mystery. And then he goes on down to say, he talks about sowing and reaping. And, and we're not gonna read it all, but you know that there's three things that Jesus said will abort the seed of God's word, okay? Now keep this in mind. Our hearts are the garden of God. Do you know that? Your heart is the garden of God. God sows his word and his word will grow. Again, remember what I said? You can't go out and buy seed and sow it out in the parking lot. It ain't going to grow. It ain't going to work. Well, the same way with your heart. God's word is not going to work in your heart if you haven't prepared it to receive the seed. Okay. It has to be plowed, right, David? It has to be. You have to break up the ground. You have to prepare the soil before you sow. Okay, now let's, let's look at three things. And, and again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, but Jesus gave us three things right next in line that will abort the seed of the Word of God in our lives. Okay, now I want to show you three things that will ensure a harvest and it's all so obvious did you know we said again the primary seeds in our life that are constantly never stopping are thoughts words and actions right do you remember Jesus said there's three stages of development 30 60 and 100 fold right three isn't that interesting he gives us three reasons three things that will abort this, the word of God the seed of God's word, three things he talks about, three stages. Well, let me just propose something to you to see if you think maybe this might be something to it. 30, 60, 100 fold, okay? What about if you only do part of the seed sowing, and let's just say you meditate on the word of God, okay? How many of you know we're instructed to do that, right? Jer I mean, uh, Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth. In other words, it shall constantly be in your mouth, continually. But it says, you shall meditate therein day and night. Now, as you're sowing thoughts, seeds of the word of God, that you're a third the way there. What's the second one? Words. What are we supposed to do with the word of God? Speak. So if you're meditating the word of God, if you're speaking the word of God, and guess what the third one would be? Do. Actions. Don't be hearers only, but be doers. Because if you are, you're just deceiving yourself. I'm convinced that if we habitually see to it that we're doing as we should in each one of those areas, it's going to produce 100-fold. Doesn't that make sense? So, you see... It's all a matter of purpose 
And we, how many of you know we haven't all arrived? Any of us, anybody here perfect? No. So don't let the devil beat you up and say, well, you ain't never going to arrive. Because ain't none of us going to ever arrive until you get to heaven. Then you're going to arrive. Okay? But along the way, we need to strive. That's what Jesus said. We need to strive to endeavor to do better and better and better with our Christian discipleship, with our discipline. Okay? That's, that's what we're supposed to do. Okay. Now, let's, let's go on. Move on. Did you know that whatever you think, the Bible says, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So that means whatever you think of yourself, if you have a low self-esteem, you're going to have a low self-esteem, right? If you think God doesn't really love you as much as he loves pastor, it's going to affect your life. You're going to have to rely on him to pray when you have a need face, when guess what? If you're living what you're supposed to be living, God's going to hear your prayers just as much as pastors, right? See, he's not a respecter of persons. But you see, again, many of Christians have low self-esteem because they know their shortcomings. Now, does pastor have at least one shortcoming, Pastor Phyllis? Oh, yeah. <laughs> one or one dozen or 100 or what would you say? Okay. See, he's not perfect. His heart is, and, and my heart is, and I hope your heart is, because that's what we're, we're commanded for our hearts to be perfect. Okay? But you, you're never going to arrive at perfection. But we need to strive for, for it. We need to endeavor. And again, do you want to do it? You know, my wife just started going to Richard's Gym here again this week. If any of you know about Richard's Gym, it's not a place of paradise. Right? But you know what? She chose to do it, and she's doing it, and that's what we got to do. We just got to purpose and choose and decide, you know what, bless God, I am going to get a grip on these areas of my life. I'm not just going to move my lips just for the sake of nothing else to do, okay? I'm not just going to randomly let my mind just go hither and thither as the wind blows. <clears throat> I'm going to be a doer of the word. I'm going to choose to do it. It's not always convenient. It's not always pleasant, but it's always wise. Right? You guys are quiet. Am I boring you? I hope not. Man, I hope not. Okay. Now let me tell you something. These are all three tied together. They're interconnected because did you know, we said it earlier, whatever you think upon, if you think upon long enough and sow enough seeds then that's going to determine what you're going to speak. It's going to come out. It's going to seed. Your, your thoughts are going to seed your words, right? And guess what? Then when your words begin to produce, whether forward, neutral, reverse, it doesn't matter whichever way, whatever you say, you're going to have. That's a principle. Every seed, don't be deceived, Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. If you're speaking negative, unbelief, murmuring, complaining, what do you think that's going to produce? Not what you want. Not good. Right? But that's, that, that's, so that's why we have to maybe buy a different bag of seed 
and start sowing some different seed, right? Okay, and then what you believe in your heart or what you think upon, I should say, what you spend your time thinking upon, you're gonna eventually be speaking upon and both of those are gonna seed what you're gonna do. It's a fact. In Mark the seventh chapter, I believe it is, Yes, Mark 7, 18 through 23, it talks about not that which goes into a man defiles a man, but what comes out of the man is what defiles the man. So think about this, and, and I'm going to probably get a little bit ahead of myself. I'm going to save that. We'll, we'll come back to that, okay? But I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you something about that. So your thoughts will affect your words, which will affect your actions in life positively or negatively. Proverbs 4.23, it says this, keep your heart with all diligence. Now that word keep, I believe is protect at all costs, keep guard. Just like somebody would be keeping guard at night, that's what you're supposed to do with your heart, okay? Keep your hearts with all, well here, actually before I was, was gonna say that, in Mark, the fourth chapter, 24th verse, Jesus himself, right here in this same teaching, says, take heed what you hear. Okay? Now, why would he say that? Because whatever you hear is going to seed you. Whatever you let come through your ears is going to seed you. Whatever you let come through your eyes is going to seed you. And whatever you let come through your mind is going to seed you. Now, how many of you have discovered you can't control and keep wrong thoughts from coming into your mind? I heard Brother Kenneth Hagin many 30-some years ago say this, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can sure keep them from making a nest in your hair. And I thought, amen, that's it. You can't keep them from coming, but when they come, it's what you do with them that counts. And you cannot afford to meditate upon wrong thoughts. Any thoughts contrary to the word of God, any ungodly thoughts, any negative thoughts, get rid of them. Trash, put them in a trash bag and throw them out and replace them. And let me tell you the key. I heard somebody just say this a week or two ago, a preacher, or on the radio. I was listening to Christian radio going down the road. And, I, and it was actually a Christian comedian. He, he told this story. He said, now, if I told you when you go to bed tonight, whatever you do, don't think about a brass monkey. He just, this was his story. And he says, and throughout the day, I keep reminding you, when you go to bed tonight, whatever you do, don't think about a brass monkey. What are you going to do when you go to bed tonight? You know it. <laughs> and you see, that's the mistake that a lot of people who struggle with sin, with temptation, with shortcomings, with doing this, doing that. See, we're focused so much on what we're not supposed to do that if we would just focus on this truth, there won't be no room left for that. <coughs> Does that make sense? You see, the Bible says in Proverbs, a full soul loatheth a honeycomb. You know what? Everybody have a favorite restaurant? Right? Red Lobsters, Cheesecake Factory, whatever. Everybody has a favorite restaurant, but I want to tell you something. 
If I took you out to eat to a huge smorgasbord at 3 o'clock, I guarantee you your favorite restaurant ain't going to sound good at 5 o'clock. Is it? And you want me to tell you something? If you fill yourself with the Word of God, there ain't going to be no room for that junk. Right? That's the key. If you really want to know the secret to stop struggling, just eat the right thing and fill yourself feast on it. And, and you ain't going to have no room for nothing for that nasty, bad dessert. The sin that looks so good and tells you it tastes so good, you ain't even going to want none of that. You're too full. Right? So that, that's something we need to, to, to take heed from. So take heed what you hear. And did you know you don't just hear with your ears? You hear with your eyes, with your mind, because those are seed gates. You've heard Pastor teach it before. Those are channels and avenues that feed that Satan tries to infiltrate through to seed our lives. So we got to take heed. And then that's where Proverbs chapter 4 says, keep your heart, protect your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. Now, you know what? I looked online last night and I did see the different translations. Listen to what the New Living Bible says. It says, for it determines, protect or keep your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Your whole entire life, present until the time you go to be with Jesus, is going to be determined on what you, either you sow or what you allow to be sown into you. That's what's going to shape your life, your whole life. Okay, now let's go to Mark chapter 31. I'm sorry, there is no Mark chapter 31, but let's go to chapter 4, verse 31. Okay, and he says, he's talking about where should we like in the kingdom of God. He said, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it, when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs. Did you know that this is the powerful word of God, of Almighty God? But did you know it won't do you any good, no matter how precious, powerful, and, and, and expensive it was, it won't do us a bit of good unless you sow it. You could go out and buy the best seed in all the land, and if you just go out in the field and just leave it in the bag and just throw it out in the field and then go home, and then come back weeks later and say, well, it's, this was supposed to be good seed. Well, sure it was, but you don't just leave it in the bag on top of the ground. You have to sow it into the earth, and then it will do its thing. Same way with the Word of God. This won't do you one lick of good if you don't ever sow it. How do we sow? Thoughts, words, and actions. And if you don't ever sow those seeds in those different categories of this, you're never, ever, ever, ever going to reap anything from the kingdom of God. Now, you may occasionally just randomly win the lottery and have a good thing happen to you randomly, but it ain't going to come from the kingdom of God and the principles of it. You see? Okay. Now, let's look at verse 20, I'm sorry, 31 again. 
because there's, there's something really good there. Sometimes we think that we have to have this great Mount Everest faith to receive from God. Did you know that's contrary to the teachings of the Word of God? It says that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, it don't take a whole lot of faith. It just can't afford a whole lot of unbelief. That's the key. So the key isn't so much having such great faith. You know, you read stories back here. <coughs> Did Abraham have great faith when he lied and said his wife was his sister? He was just a man like you and I. He wasn't perfect. He had faith, granted, but he wasn't far from perfect, okay? Here's the thing I want you to understand. It doesn't take a lot, just a little dabble, do you? Bro cream, right? Way back. You don't need a whole thing of hair gel. Just a little dab will do. And it's the same way with faith. Just a little dab of faith is all you need. And, and, and the thing about it is, that's what Jesus is, I believe, saying here. It don't take a bunch. But the thing about it is, it's the unbelief that causes the problem. And unbelief is kind of like faith. Did you know, it, it don't take a lot. Now again, can you stop it from coming? No. If you go to believe God for a miracle, I got news for you. There's going to be a devil show up at your doorstep and he's going to tell you why it ain't going to work for you because you're not good enough. God don't love you enough. You ain't smart enough. Da, 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 da. Okay? But you see, that's not how, you got to know how to counteract that just like with wrong thoughts. Now, what about small things? Small things, dynamite is a small thing, but how powerful is it? right? And did you know, here's where I want to start gearing towards is words. We look at words as, oh, they're just little insignificant words. Wrong. They're way more than that. A stick of dynamite I can hold in my hand, and it could take down a mountain that you can't climb, right? How about the stone in David's hand that he put in his sling? That stone wasn't nowhere near as big as Goliath, was it? You know, the, the worst $5 mistake I ever made in my life is one time I was fishing as a teenager and I was with my dad and my friend and we were out and somebody caught a crawdad latched onto our bait and we bring it all the way in and it still stays on and bring, bring it in the boat. Well, my friend said, I'll give you $5 if you let that pinch you. And I'm sizing up this crawdad and I'm thinking, that? <laughs> I took him up on it, and I wish to God I never had. Because that sucker would not let go. And that had more jaw strength or more pincher power than a pit bull or any other animal, for that matter, crocodile. That was a bad move. Them was little pinchers, but boy, did they pack a powerful punch. I remember another time when I was a teenager, one of my bosses, this was when I, I didn't know nothing about electrical. I was a teenager. We're in the showroom and there's some, some wires in a wall and he somehow or another says, just don't touch that black and white wire at the same time. And I'm looking at him like thinking, what? There ain't enough fire coming out of them. And they, see, I was just young and dumb. And so what did I do? You're right. And boy, I found out it don't matter what it looks like. It's got a packs of powerful punch. Thank God it was 110, not 440, right? But the thing is, small things. What about a termite? Just a little old termite can take down 
a mansion, right? A little small bullet can kill an elephant. Just a little small bullet. So don't just think that words, because they seem small and insignificant, can't wreak havoc and destroy and damage your life because they very much can, right? Okay, now, some, some seeds, you know, here's, here's the problem. Let me tell you why we fall into what we fall into, the habits that we fall into. Because did you know some actions, one act can land you in prison for life. You commit an offense, and if it's a bad, serious enough offense, I don't care if you was under the influence of drugs or not, guess what? It could literally destroy the rest of your life, right? Now, I, I think about this, cigarettes. How many of you ever used to smoke and you know one cigarette ain't gonna kill you, right? One pack ain't gonna kill you. But if you habitually smoke one after another, after another, after another, chances are one day you're gonna die prematurely because it doesn't happen quick. And see, when you're speaking the wrong words, thinking the wrong thoughts, and doing the wrong things, you may not be seeing any repercussions. And so what does that do? That encourages you to continue on and on and on. Ecclesiastes 8.11, powerful verse. It says, because sentence against an evil work is not enforced or judged immediately, Therefore, it is fully set in the heart of man to do wicked. In other words, the first time you use the Lord's name in vain, what if you've heard, ever heard the first name, Lord's name used in vain at work and lightning strikes and kills the guy next to you? And then you see another guy do it. Uh, you think you're going to be using the Lord's name in vain? Probably not. What about if words was that same way? Is as soon as we release a word of unbelief or an evil word, and it don't have to just be a cuss word to be an evil word. The, the, the men of Israel, they went and they brought back an evil report of the land of Canaan. That's what the Bible says. Well, what was the evil report? They just told what they saw. They said, hey man, there's giants over there and, and they're way, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. They would be way too many for us. They was just coming back and giving a factual report. But yet the Bible says it was an evil report. So, think about that. Okay, now, let's go on here because I wanna, I wanna now focus on words. Again, I made alluded to this fact earlier. Did you remember when Jesus says, not that which goes into a man defiles him. If you eat with unwashed hands or if you eat the wrong thing. Now, that's not good, right? If you eat too much of the wrong thing, it ain't gonna be very healthy and it's not gonna pay dividends. But you know what? Jesus said this. He said, hey, don't worry because there's nothing that you can put into your mouth that will defile you. But the things that come out of you is what defiles a man. And again, what comes out of a man? Where does it all start? The heart. So you see, if you get wrong thoughts that you spend too much time seeding your heart, it's going to give place to words. And then when you release the words, oh boy, you got something that's going to about to get out of control. It's like a little matchstick. Anybody ever had a scary 
situation with playing with matches as a kid ever or an adult. You know what? It can turn real fast. <laughs> that little match, that little stove, that little grease fire can real quickly turn into a whole house fire with nothing but toast left, right? And it's the same way with words. And, and, and I want you to think about this word defile because it's very important. The word defile, what I looked up, and, and it only made sense that it applied to here, is to pollute or contaminate. Wow, think about that. What comes out of us is what pollutes and contaminates our lives. And did you know the problem with polluted and contaminated water? Is it any good? No. What about polluted and contaminated soil? Is it any good? No. And I mean, we can say a whole lot about those things. But if it's polluted and contaminated, it ain't going to give life. It's not going to produce what it's intended to produce. Life is water. Water is life. Food gets its nutrients. That's why when you eat vegetables, why they're good for you, because it's drawing all the nutrients of the soil. So that vegetable's only as good as the soil it came from, isn't it? So you see, it's the same way with our hearts. Remember? The garden of God. Now, so in other words, what I'm saying is, it's not good to put too much food into our mouth, and it sure ain't good to let too much stuff come out your mouth, especially if it's the wrong stuff, right? Doubt, unbelief, and all this, that, and the other. You think that's why the Bible says, let every man, how many? Every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Why? Everybody? Everybody. Because there's, there's danger in it. Um, listen to 1 Peter 3.10. It says, what man is there that desires life and, and long life and to see good days? Let him withhold his lips from evil and his tongue that it speaks no guile. Look at that. First Timoth I'm sorry, 1 Peter 3.10. It says, if you want to have a good, long, enjoyable life, What's, what's going to make it? Right here, words. Okay, now, this is what pastor, he asked, he asked me to kind of teach along the lines of a message. I, I couldn't even remember, believe that he remembered. It's been like 15, 10, 15 years ago. I spoke one time on words, that words are like this, words are like this, words are like this. And the thing he remembered is words are like guns, okay? And how true is that? Did you know guns can be a good thing or a bad thing? They can protect you or they can kill you. And if you're handling a loaded gun, you better handle with caution and use extreme care, right? How about with your words? Do you use as much caution with your words as you would a loaded machine gun? We should. We really, really should because they're that powerful. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to turn there for the time's sake, but in Mark, the fifth chapter, you can find some more than one story in there where Jesus relayed about the woman with the issue of blood. You know when, how she was healed? She said in her heart, if I can touch but his garment, I shall be whole. Jairus said, you know what, Jesus? Come with me. My daughter lies at the point of death. He says, if you come and lay your hands on her, she shall live. You see, 
they each really believed in their heart those things and they said it with their mouth and in that same chapter someone came to him and says tell the master to forget it she's already dead it said as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken he said fear not only believe he immediately offset that word that word filled with death he immediately cut it off and he immediately squashed it that's what he did and so you know mark eleven twenty three 23 says whatsoever things we believe if we say we'll have whatever we say but the, like i said we mentioned earlier it doesn't just work to say it you have to believe in your heart then say it with your mouth and then h2o produces water you know faith in your heart and confession with your mouth equals salvation equals receiving anything from god's kingdom any promise that he's given us that's the combination mix the two don't just try the one because it'll never work you can put hydrogen in a cup all day long and you ain't never gonna get water right but you put the two together you're going to have something now words are like keys how many of you used the key to get here this morning you put it in your car and it released the ability of that car which is way beyond yourself you could have walked here this morning but i guarantee you you wouldn't have got here as fast and easy as your automobile brought you right and did you know the primary way not the only way but when the bible says you know don't give place to the devil i'm convinced that one of the biggest ways that we give place to the devil is right here i'm convinced god is covetous of our faith-filled prayers god desires us to pray in faith and to lift up stuff to him because that's sowing a seed and then god can multiply that seed but until you say a prayer he can't multiply it why do you think it says you have not because you ask not again don't throw a sack of seed out there in the field because it ain't going to do nothing don't hold a prayer in your heart let it come out your mouth and then god can multiply it if it's a prayer of faith right okay now the, the remember jesus said i'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom and you want to tell you again there's different keys okay to god's kingdom but i want to tell you something right after that he says whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound whatever you loose on earth will be loosed i'm convinced that one of the primary means way of binding and loosening words and and who can we bind and loose can we bind and loose god huh you're afraid to say that can you bind and loose god yes you most definitely can you can bind him you can put handcuffs on him through your unbelief through your sin through your disobedience you can literally handcuff god from moving in your life jesus was in a particular city and it said he could there do no mighty work and any marvel because of their unbelief they tied the hands of the miracle work of man from Galilee. And then we can loose God with our faith, with our prayers. We can loose him and he can move. But let me tell you something. As much as God covets our faith-filled prayers, the devil covets our murmuring and complaining and verbal disbelief, unbelief. Because as soon as it comes out, He's got a seed that he can increase and multiply. True? 
Okay, how about next? Words are like tools. Just like, you know, I got crews that build garages. They don't build them barehanded. You know what I'm saying? They got to at least have a hammer and they need a saw and they need, you know, the more tools they got, air guns, the more efficient they can build a garage, the more quickly that you can go there. I got one crew that can build a garage in a day. I got an Amish gentleman with two teenage sons that they take care of my Columbus jobs and they go to Columbus from Indiana. They drive two and a half hours, build the garage, frame it, roof it, side it, and hang the garage door and go home that night. Crazy, but I promise you they can do it, but they couldn't do it without tools. And you see, that's what we got to understand. Atoms, what do they say about atoms? They're the building block of our universe, right? Well, can I tell you something? Words are the building block of your world, of your life. Words. Because your life, to a degree, now understand, this is, I don't have time to explain, but you obviously will know there's certain things that were dealt to you in life. If you was abused as a three-year-old girl, you didn't ask for that. If you, any number of things, okay, that, I'm saying that to keep this in context and, and make you understand, certain things are beyond your control, right? In your life. But I want to tell you something. No matter what life or people have sown into you or affected your life, I want to tell you something. God can bring you out or bring you through to the other side. God can heal you. God can deliver you emotionally, physically, any way he can do it. So understand this. In, in, in Hebrews 11.3 it says, we know that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And then back in Genesis 1, and God said, let there be light. And what did he do all this out of? Chaos, darkness, disorder, nothing, a mess. And that's how many of our lives have been at times, right? It's just like in, in Genesis 1, there was no, the earth was without form and void and darkness. Your life ever been there? <laughs> So's mine. Most everybody probably has. But you know what you do with that? You don't just accept it. You don't have to just accept it. You can begin to speak light in the midst of darkness. You can begin to speak divine order in the midst of disorder. You see what I'm saying? And, and again, if, if the worlds that we see were formed by the word of God so that things which are seen were made by things which don't appear, What's it talking about? What don't appear? Do you see the words coming out of my mouth? Can you see them? You can hear them, but you don't see them. That's how the words, I'm telling you, the words of our mouth to a large degree form our lives and our worlds that we live in. And again, guys, don't get condemned again. How many of us are perfect? Nobody. How many of us got it all together? Nobody. But I'm telling you, if we see these things and God shares these things, we need to observe these things and begin to purpose, hey, Richard, sign me up, I'm coming back. God, sign me up. I know I ain't been to your gym for a long time, but sign me up, I'm coming back. I'm gonna start watching what I think. I'm gonna watch what comes through my ears, my eyes, my mind. 
I'm going to start speaking and watching my words. I'm going to start doing your word. See, that's, that's what counts. You can't do it without God. None of us can, okay? So, let's move on. Words are like a bridle. We got to turn here, and this is where we're going to wrap up. James. Well, no, we're going to go to Proverbs. James and Proverbs, and then that's the two references we're going to have you turn to. Now, you all know James, the third chapter, sums it all up, right? I mean, it lays it out. And it says, verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us. How many of you ever seen a big old horse? My, my grandfather used to have ponies when I was a little kid. One time I got kicked in the forehead by a pony trying to kick his dog, and I was in the wrong spot. I don't know how I survived that. I guess that's why I am like I am today, maybe. But I'm telling this horse kicked me right square in the forehead. Horses, that was a pony. Horses are powerful animals. <laughs> I tell you what, the strength of a horse, there's no man can, can do it. We just went to the fair Friday night up in Lima, and they had wrestling, you know, guys, the fake wrestling and all that. And I told Isaiah, he was with me, I said, one time years ago, I took your brother, Nick, to 84 Lumber, and they had a wrestling bear that had a muzzle on his snout, and all of these he-men was going to go up there and show that they could take this bear. How many of you think did? None. That bear had more power than all of them put together. And a horse, and your life, your world, what the devil throws at us is way bigger than we, us in ourselves. You know what I'm saying? But guess what? That big old powerful horse, just a little metal bit, you put there in his mouth, and you can turn that horse wherever you want him to go. Right? The rudder of a ship. It's just a small helm. Just a small rudder. This big old, anybody ever went on a cruise ship? I tell you what, I went on Royal Caribbean back several years ago. It was the biggest, second biggest ship on the sea at that time. Enormous. I'm thinking like 14 floors on this ship. I forget how many long. And guess what? It's all controlled by a rudder. And guess what, guys? It's what it's saying. What, what does that Bible verse say? Our tongue is a little member. It's just a little slab of meat. But guess what? That determines the way your life's going to go. Is life taking your ship south? Just turn it around and head north. And you can do it. You can do it. Not yourself. Not your own power. But guess what? Right here. This is a rudder that you can begin to speak and it'll turn your course of what your life's going. And don't think you're an exception. Don't think your situation's different because I'm telling you, this covers it all. It, there's nothing in here. There's no situation or problem or circumstance too big. Why do you think God listed all the miracles he did in the Old Testament? If he can split a Red Sea and let millions of people pass and then drown their enemies, can he handle your situation? Can he turn your situation? If he can feed the multitudes, 15,000 people, with a few loaves of bread and a few fishes, can he meet your need? No matter what it is, can he meet it? He demonstrated those things and had those things recorded to just let us know that, you know what, can he put, let, 
three little Hebrew children go into the midst of a burning furnace that kills the people that threw them in there, but it doesn't even singe one hair on their head or leave a trace of smoke on them? If he did that and can do that and he did do that, can he get you out of your fiery furnace? He can. He is still God Jehovah. There used to be a song, David Ingalls. He's still God Jehovah, still can calm the sea, still can close the lion's mouth and make the blind man see. He can still do anything and everything that needs to be done. But, you know, the, the little um, termite that can totally destroy a whole community? Right there. See, that can do it with God's miracle working power in our life. This little thing right here can totally ruin it and mess it all up. Now, we got to read here, James 3, 5. It says, um, um, yeah, 3, 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts us great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Again, a little cardboard sliver of a match can devastate and ravage a whole state if it's left unattended. That's how out of control it can get. And when we release negative confessions, I'm telling you, it sets things in motion that can quickly spiral out of control. Before you know it, this little grease fire on your stove has got your whole house engulfed, right? And it goes on verse six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. <laughs> Do you see that? A world of iniquity. It's just all kinds of iniquity can be released through our tongues. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles, there's that word again, pollutes and contaminates the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. It says two things in there. The number one, hell is after your tongue. The devil, you remember the Proverbs that says you're snared with the words of your tongue? A snare is a trap. The devil's going to set snares in our life and try to get us to step into them by letting them come out your mouth. And if we let them come out of our mouth, we just stepped into his snare. And he's going to take you captive. You see that? So we got to protect against that. Now let me tell you the other thing. It says it sets on fire the course of nature. Think about this, guys. Have you ever seen on TV, I'm sure you have, wildfires that are just Gatlinburg, just last year. How many of you ever been to Gatlinburg? Man, it looked like that whole city was gonna be gone. I'm glad it didn't, that's where we had our honeymoon and we still go back periodically and enjoy going to Gatlinburg. But I mean, one little small fire, I don't know if that was intentional or an accident, but one little smart spark, one little match did all of that. Think about it. What about a hurricane, a tornado? a mudslide, an avalanche. You ever watch the Weather Channel and see all these forces of nature that are mind-boggling? You think, wow, where did that come from? That's what we can set in motion in our lives right through here. Now, are you guys all gonna promise me one thing? You're not gonna get condemned and say, boy, have I blown it? I just made my own bed. You've heard pastors say, if you don't make your own bed in hell, God's there with you. Now here's the good news. I'm gonna end on good news. So what if, what if your world and your life is just a burning wildfire? What if it's just completely out of control, raging? And there's, I mean, it's like all the firefighters in America couldn't put it out. I got good news for you. The words are like water. 
The word of God is likened unto the washing of the water of the word. Guess what? You can put out any time water and fire come up against each other, who's going to win? Every time. When light comes up against darkness, who's going to win? Light. How many times? Every time. Proverbs says the well of a righteous man is a well of life. You know, firefighters, if there's a fire, what do they do? If they're in a city, they come, what do they do? They tap into that fire hydrant. And guess what? They got the water of the whole city. They got all the water they need to put that fire out. They just got to keep plugged into that hydrant, that fire hydrant, and it's, that fire is going to go out. Guess what? I don't care how big a fire you got going in your life right now. It doesn't matter. God's word is a deep enough well that you keep plugged into it and you keep spurting it and keep it flowing and don't turn the handle off. Just let it flow, flow, flow. It's going to put the fire of your life out. You believe that? Well, do you know what? It's 12 o'clock. So that means it's time to quit. But I tell you, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you some notes in Proverbs that I'm not going to take time to turn there, but it'll sum it all up. These verses in Proverbs says it all in a nutshell and confirms everything. that You know what I'm saying is true anyhow, don't you? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. And again, guys, it's all a purposed decision that you know what? Boy, I look back and I, I see I've done messed it up. I've allowed myself to get out of shape bad. And you know what I'm going to need to do? I'm just going to need to sign up and go back to the gym and start doing the right things. And I'm going to get the right results. Proverbs, the last thing I will say this is words are like a rope. Okay? A rope can save you or it can hang you. If you're down in a pit or in a canyon, guess what? You can throw a rope down, a lifeline. If you're drowning, you can throw a lifeline and that can save you. But it can also hang you. And Char- I don't know if it was Charles Casper. Somebody wrote years ago, hung by the tongue. And boy, how true. How many people have been hung by their own tongue? Proverbs 6, 2, chapter 12, verses 6, 14, and 18. Proverbs 13, verse 2 and 3. Chapter 18, verse 7. And chapter 21, verse 23. And I tell you, That's how many verses? That's at least a half a dozen. And they all emphasize that, you know what? This is real. These are more dangerous than bullets right here. Your words are more dangerous than any loaded gun, than any bomb, than anything. So you got to handle with care. You got to really be cautious with what you're letting come out your mouth. And it's so easy, guys, again, We all got to work on it. We all got to work on it. But it's the same way with thoughts. We got to work on it. We got to realize, yeah, you may fly over my head, but you ain't nested in my hair, right? And then we just got a purpose, just do it. Nike, I think they must have been Christians, come out with that saying, just do it. Just do the word of God. Amen? If it says it, do it. And you'll get results. You sow it, God will grow it. Amen? Okay, I'm done. Okay. 
All right. Well, let's dismiss in prayer. Father, we come in the name of Jesus before you, and we are just so grateful and thankful for your word, Father. Your word doesn't leave us in the dark. It doesn't leave us dumb. It doesn't leave us blind. Father, we can see clearly because you make it so clear that we, when you're repetitive on such a thing as many times as the word talks about our words, our seeds, our thoughts, our deeds. Father, we can see, but we just know, everybody knows what a seed does. We just need to remind ourselves that those are all seeds, Father. And when we sow them, you guaranteed every single time it's gonna produce a harvest. And it don't matter if we want tomatoes and we plant corn, we're gonna get whatever we plant. And that's the same way it is in life. We can want blessing, prosperity, health, joy, gladness. We can want all these things, but if we're sowing the contrary, we're never gonna get them. It's just simple, Father. So help every one of us to realize that it's that simple. And help every one of us realize that no man can tame the tongue. James talks about that. It says the tongue is an unruly evil and no man can tame it. We can tame lions, we can tame tigers, we can train elephants, we can train every animal under the sun, but no man alone by himself without you can tame the tongue. So we just, we realize that Father, help everyone today realize to not try to do it on their own because they're gonna fail. But together with your help, with the assistance of the Holy Spirit, as we begin to fill ourselves with the right things, we won't want to eat wrong things. Father, we won't want to think wrong things. We won't want to do wrong things. We won't want to say wrong things because we're filled with good things. We're filled with your word, Father, that gives life. And so help us, every one of us, Father, to let this be a, a U-turn, God, in many of our lives today. Help us to quit going the way we've been going, quit heading south, turn around and head north. Help us, God, to do that, I pray, with our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. And Father, we give you the praise in Jesus' name for your faithfulness that you will multiply, Father, good seed when we sow it in good ground of our hearts. When we prepare the grounds of our hearts and plow it and do the things that we need to do, then your incorruptible seed of your word, you're going to multiply it. And Father, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. We're going to see the complete process and the complete manifestation of the promises that we read in your word. And we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name.